Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your children's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. You could tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the Tooth Fairy and Santa and then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes and you can then save it on your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android and is free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. This episode is also brought to you by my digital media agency, One Circle Media. One Circle creates content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms, servicing networks, studios, brands, and Fortune 500 clients. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was no. living his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey, everybody. This is Matty K. And John. And we're here, I mean, just grinding away every day, every hour. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't scroll down in this article I'm trying to read, so, um, ooh, boy, that's where grinding goes wrong. All right, well, I'm gonna have to switch to the other article, everybody. See, I, I, there's no problems, there's just opportunities. And, and this is, this is just complete transparency of how unscripted this podcast is. Don't need it. Don't need it. People say, go ahead. We're we're so off script that within the first ten seconds, Matt can't perform what a five year old can perform on a computer. Well, I don't think it's my fault because I am scrolling down on this other. <laughs> uh, of, of course, it's not your fault. <laughs> no, it isn't my fault. Well, let me let me clear up a misconception. I think people have people hear this podcast and they they say. It's so spot on, it must be scripted. You must sit down and write this whole thing out. And no, we don't. It's all top of our heads. Which I I script my segments. Oh, I, don't, well. I can't account for, for Matt. 
And um, I'm right now, I'm on the, maybe the 51st revision <laughs> of, of this podcast. <laughs> well, since you got fired from your job and none of your clients want to deal with you anymore, I guess, you know, you have time. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, my, my entire day is open. Wide open. <laughs> Wide open. All right. All right so, so, so everybody, welcome to another episode of The Working Experience. Uh, as always... Um, please um, subscribe, share, rate, uh, especially share this with friends and family. If you enjoy listening to Matt and I banter on, um, we'd love for you to, to share it on social media so more people can discover the working experience. Or, right, Matt? Or if there's someone you don't particularly care for and you find this to be the most banal, boring <laughs> waste of time, suggest it to them. And, you know, a little bit of revenge for you. So it kind of works both ways. And we're, we're working on, this is always, this is the theme of the working experience. We're always working on something and it never gets done. Is that fair to say, Matt? Uh, yeah, well, it's a miracle we're actually recording this. So, <laughs> yes, I would say. Are, are you referring to the Zoom experiment we just tried? No, no, oh. I'm not. But thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, I'm well, not. Re- I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to um, the Patreon that I actually oh, yeah. set. I actually set up. We just have to figure out what we can offer our listeners uh, so they can throw pennies in our hat. Well, I have a box of T-shirts sitting in my living room that have been there for about three weeks now. Uh, so we could offer those, I guess. I, I'm not really sure what to do with them. <laughs> I'll, I'll take I was, a picture. I was, was going to ask you about the box of T-shirts. Yeah, I, I thought you. I thought I actually have to give you kudos for actually ordering them, yeah. and the fact that they're actually sitting in another room. I mean, that's a gold star right there. Well, let me describe. I had to go to the place, which is about ten minutes away, order them, Oof. talk to the guy, this, that, and the other thing, decide on a design, blah blah blah, come home. Then about a week later, had to go pick them up. So this was a two-part process. Of course, I had to take a few days off of work to recover from all of that. But uh, just just from not the the physical assertions, just the mental, the mental, the mental, gy- the mental gymnastics going on in Matt's head. Ugh. Just to, even just to pick up the phone. Just reliving it right now. It's it's exhausting. uh, It's exhausting. But anyway, we we had a. uh, Well, let me reference. We we had a um, uh, uh, encounter this morning trying to use some new technology to do this thing. Uh, Didn't work, which only reinforces my mantra of stop trying to do new things because they don't work. (laughs) All right. And if at first you don't succeed within, I see. I let me let me modify this old saying. If at first you don't succeed within the first minute, forget it. Okay, it's not worth it. So forget it. It's so, it's the uh, it's the universal give up mantra. Just give up. Forget it. What just give hell? up. That that's an affirmation for you. Just you're gonna just you're gonna up. be you're gonna be dead <laughs> at some yeah. point. <laughs> enjoy 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 the life you have. Why are you why are you struggling? Why are no. you pushing? Why are you hustling? Actually, you know, it was kind of funny. I um, just saw a clip of uh, Australia's version of 60 Minutes, and uh, they had Ricky Gervais on. And they were in London, and they were walking through this cemetery, you know, just quite old, 
headstones from like the 1600s or even before. And Ricky Gervais is walking around and he's looking at him and he's, you know, the host is like, yeah, it was kind of like old cemeteries. And Ricky Gervais is like, yeah, I know. Like it was kind of curious they were there, but Ricky Gervais said something along the lines of, you know, all these people had all these cares and concerns and stresses. And it's like, they're all dead. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that much. Like, you know, they, they've been dead for hundreds of years. And like, you know, it just sort of is like, yeah, it kind of puts things in perspective. I was like, yeah, it does. Like, you know, we're, we're the, the things we're so stressed about, it's like, you know what, in a hundred years, it's, it's really not going to be that big a deal. Which brings us to our, our topic about these parents bribing people to get their kids into college. Which is a, um, which is a very, uh, when I read this story, I was actually giggling like a little schoolgirl or actually a little schoolboy. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, and, and it was, it, look, I got it, my hats off to the FBI that created this sting. You know, and and caught a bunch of rich parents, you know, in the act of trying to get little Johnny and Jane into, you know, a top 50 university and by doing it the good old American way, bribing, right? (laughs) Nothing's as old. Nothing is as American as bribery, corruption. I always listen when I come into a situation I'm always looking for my angle. Yeah. If if I'm if I'm in a police station, if I'm at a restaurant, if I'm at a massage parlor, something <laughs> something can always be worked out and that's when the hand goes in the pocket. Guy grab out the wad of cash, l- lick the thumb. Yep. And start going through the Benjamins. Start peeling the bills off. <laughs> what, just just what, paying people. What what can we work at? How can we make this happen? Um, have you ever slipped a Mater D at 20? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, sure. Really? Yeah, 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 of course. To get a better table? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Wow, I've never done that. No, I, I've done it. And I, I've done it like I've also done it with um, I've done it on productions with clients. I, I won't really I won't I wouldn't do it like if I was just going out, you know, but if I'm, you know, with a, I want the best table with a client or, um, you know, you know, with meals with productions, they I want to make sure they're on time. Uh, they're the right order. So I always I always tip. But I'm I always come. I, I was a caddy when I was younger. So I, I literally, my entire income from when I was 10 years old until I was 21 was based on tips. No, no, no. I don't, so, I don't mean tipping. I mean, like, have you ever walked into the restaurant and done the old, like, handshake Mater D with the Mater D 20 in the hand to get, like, a quicker table? Yeah, y- yes, but not like the, not the Hollywood version. Uh-huh. I'll talk, I'll talk with the guy first and I'll be like, listen, you know. You can help me out, right? Yes, but I consider that a tip. I don't. No, no, it's a tip. I've, a tip. I've just never walked up to the guy at the the you know the stereotypical podium where he's got the book open and he's like, "Well, sir, that'll be an hour for a table," and it's like, "Here's the twenty in the hand," you know, to get 
table yeah, 20, in 10 20 bucks now doesn't really get you what it used to get you. Or 40 for, or 50, whatever it is. It, but, but you know, for 20 bucks, you, you do jump ahead of the line and you get the best table. It's not yes. fair, but. No, I've never been in a position to uh, to do that. I mean, I've I remember once I was working on a, a production on a music video, and I was a PA, and me and this other guy were just throwing all the garbage into the, you know, the dumpster outside. They had hired a dumpster because you know they knew they were going to need it, and it said on it, uh, "Do not fill past the you know the the thing the top of the thing." So we just kept chucking stuff in there and. The guy who was with me, his name is also Matt, he was like, you know, he was a nice guy, but he didn't really, he was kind of like, I don't know, he didn't really understand how things worked. And he wanted to be a producer, and I was kind of like, well, you have to understand how these things work. Anyway, he's like, no, no, we can't put any more in here because it's up past the fill line. I'm like, dude, just, you know, wait a second. So I went upstairs to the producer, and I said, listen, da-da-da. He just hands me, like, 50 bucks so I go downstairs, give it to the dumpster guy. Like he doesn't care. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, you got to listen. Sometimes you just got to make it happen. Yeah, you know? yeah. You just have to make. And and a lot of times that is money. You have to hand <laughs> people money to. And, and that and that happen. is to me that is like and especially within New York and L.A. Whether it be a doorman or there there is certain ways of like look we know what the rules are, and and you you just got to like hey you know cut me a break. I don't yeah. equate that with this this school debacle, which is oh, absolutely no. No, no. flat out cheating and teaching your kids to be little privileged assholes. Well, you know, I wonder what. So, you know, just to put it in the background for our listeners, this uh, what these parents would do, and the woman from. Uh, I can't remember her name, but a lot of celebrities, college coaches, the coach of the women's soccer team at Yale, um, standardized test administrators. I mean, the amount of people who were involved in this are like, this is very And shameful. it was, you know, it was big cash. Like oh, $400,000 was one of the numbers four, I heard. Yeah, the, so the, the, um, the soccer coach for the women's soccer team, um, he was, you know, like a upstanding guy, great coach, very, very revered by the girls that he coached. And, you know, he, he was, he was on the take, you know, yeah. four, 400 grand. Now, listen, I'm not condoning what he did, but I'm sure his salary at, at Yale was what? Probably, I don't know. What is a college I have coach, no idea. soccer coach? Maybe he makes 70 grand. Well, I don't know if he got four hundred thousand dollars. I don't, is that I, I just that number was thrown out as so. Well, well I think and, whatever it was, the parent, the parent, the, the the price tag was four hundred grand. Maybe he got half of it, or he got a third of it, or whatever he got. He got over a hundred grand, or maybe he got two hundred grand. That's double his salary. Well, there was to, there was him, but then also I think that a lot of this stemmed from uh, this company in Newport Beach, California which bills itself as a consulting firm for people wanting to get their kids into a top flight university. So they're supposed to help you with applications, help you write your essays, uh, help and by, you. And by the way, sorry to cut you off, is once this all came out, 
I filed corporate papers to start a clone of this. <laughs> now of that the, the Justice Department, the FBI <laughs> is all over these guys on the right. West Coast, right. that's when me and Maddie slip in. Yeah, no one, no one, no one wants my advice on how to get into college. <laughs> no one wants my advice on how to find the men's bathroom. Okay, so yeah. that business would uh, model. Well, but, I am. I'm leveraging all of my skills and my last name associated <laughs> with the mafia. So I've, right. I, I, I got people on the ground. It's like, where you want to go? Right. You want to, you want to get into a, you know. And also, too, I'll take any. I mean, hell, we don't even have to go to the top universities. I'll go all the way down the list. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, this this company's in New, Newport Beach. They build themselves that way. But what they actually were were basically a front for bribing people. Like they had connections with all these administrators, testing people, coaches. They had a whole network. So apparently these very wealthy parents would come to them. And there was nothing about like, I mean, obviously they would have to do the applications and the essays. And I, I'm under the impression the company just did that for them. And then on top of this, they were the liaison to the bribe. So they would be the go-between between like the soccer coach or Georgetown was involved. I think, uh, I don't know if Harvard's name was mentioned, but you know, very top oh, it was, flight. It was, it was uh, Yale, uh, USC. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all top, top 50 schools. It was Felicity Huffman, that's was right. one of the actresses, and Lori Logan. Logan, is that right? One of them uh, was I, on Full House. Right. One was on Full House, and the other one was on, I think it was uh, Desperate Housewives. <laughs> now, that makes sense. That it makes sense, totally yeah. makes sense. Well, uh, and then there was also a hedge fund guy that was involved. Of course. Of um, course. But look, at, look at you. Just yeah, of course. Of, just, of course it is. Well, but to here, these here, people. Here's the thing. Look, this, what what just speaking from experience, and I, and Matt, I know that that we saw it at Fordham, and Fordham is what I can't even believe Fordham is like near a top fifty university, right? Like <laughs> I mean, considering I, would, I hold a diploma from there, yeah, right? yeah, I would, I would, I would be, I was surprised they broke the top five hundred, to be honest with you. Yeah, but there were kids in there that were had no business being at Fordham. And daddy and mommy wrote a check or their name was on a building. And my sister went to Georgetown and it was even more prominent there. It's very prominent at Boston College um, and especially the top 10 schools, the Harvard, the Yales. I mean, you make fun of it. You know, it's like, oh, this family donated millions of dollars and then their their children get in, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's, so this kind of always existed this this was it called edge college and career network which was the college prep company um you know they just took they just made a business out of it well you know they were talking about this on npr and the guy made the point that you know let's say it's a state school and someone who has graduated from there is an alumnus and is a, a legislator and has a son or a daughter who wants to go to that school. Well, that that person is going to have influence. Uh, let's say somebody graduates from uh, Yale, Fordham, Harvard, whatever, and they've made you know fifty million dollars as a hedge fund person, and they want their kid to go to Harvard. Well, and they donate, 
and over the years have donated millions of dollars. Now, he did point out, said, you know, the old-fashioned way was like you'd build a library or a new dorm, and everybody would benefit from that. And it was like, okay, sort of like, it's not that much different, but at least this is just straight up bribery. I mean, this is just money is going into the pocket of the Yale soccer coach or administrators and, and people are paying people to take tests for their kids. And, um, oh, yeah, and my, my personal favorite is the, the Photoshopping <coughs> of the kid onto the, the, the soccer team roster. It's Jesus. I mean, really, I but, but I here's know. the thing. You're, you're, you're teaching your child to cheat and the only way to get get ahead of in this world is to you know grease the wheels like so it doesn't matter if the kid gets into yale or harvard or whatever they're just their view of the world is like okay the only way for me to succeed is to you know bribe my way into things or you know that's what mommy and daddy did but they're going to be in for a rude awakening when they get into the real world well um you know, not not to say everybody who works in hedge funds or finance is like this, but when you see the whole world through the lens of money and transactions, then this makes sense. Like, I want my kid to go to Harvard. It's like getting the table at the uh, at the fancy restaurant. Like, I slip the maitre d a hundred dollars. Ergo, I get a better. Are table. you are you throwing me into this bucket, you uh, son of a bitch? This is why that first question was a trap. You, to- you set me up. You you. <laughs> You hook me. You hook like. Oh, really? Oh, I mean, really? you do do that, I'm, and then I'm it festered in Maddie's head, <laughs> and then he, now he's coming back and he's throwing crap all over my head. But you know, it's one thing to like, uh, <clears throat> you know, to to buy the VIP pass or whatever it is, you know, and, and we all enjoy those perks. I mean, that that's great, but uh, you know when everything is just a transaction, it's like, well, this is just one more transaction. Like there's no merit to any of this. It's just like, you know, and and as you said, like, what are you, I mean, I, I think at some point these kids are going to have to produce something on their own, whether (laughs) it's in college. It's not, it's not going to be pretty. And, and also like, what is that, message sent to you about yourself like i'm not good enough right and so my parents have to pay for everything so i'm stupid well when you when you think about it is there's a lot there's a cheaper way to do, to have gone about this right with so these all these parents had are, are, are upper middle class rich right so they could have paid for an army of tutors uh coaches private lessons you know you name it where the the child would have gotten the best instruction or help with SATs. Um, and what was the other one act with the, the yeah. I don't know what this, the standardized tests are. And then also too, is to have the best coaches for soccer or swimming or whatever it is. And there was, I don't know if it was the article that we're reading, but there was another article I read that made the case that, you know, upper middle class people already have those advantages over uh, students of lesser means where they they send their kids to you know private schools and they have the tutors and stuff but anyway my point is you know they could have spent between 10 and 20 grand and you know given their child a leg up 
Or maybe the parents already thought about this and was like, hey, you know what, Junior is just not smart enough or just not fast enough, so we got to go to plan B with <laughs> cold, hard cash. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. But I mean, let's say you graduate from Yale and you want to go to law school or something like that, or medical school. I mean, you've got to take... I mean, first, I don't know, maybe they just provide them all this help in the Ivy Leagues. Maybe they just continue to get them tutors and people write their papers for them. But at some point, you're going to be 30 years old and you got to you gotta do something. Or some of these people, I guess, just kind of get into these, um, you know, get into companies and they make a lot of money. And, they, and they're not very smart. And they really don't produce anything. But they've got a pedigree. But still, somewhere along the line, any thinking person has got to, like, start to take stock of themselves and be like, what am I? Nah. <laughs> nah. I guess not. You know, I, they, they, look, there was... I, I, this article actually inspired me because my my youngest son is starting. I'm sorry, my oldest son is starting high school. I oh, got a whole different playbook here, for this. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here, here, here's my angle. I'm not going to bribe. I'm not going to go about bribing. I'm just gonna what I'm calling the strong arm technique. That's in your face. I'm in the admission officer's <laughs> face. Every single day until they admit my son just to get rid of me. Yeah. For the sole purpose of, you know, this is the old, you know, grab the arm, pull them in nice and tight. I'm going to show up at the school where they shop at their home, constantly <laughs> pitching. I'm not going to take no for an answer. You know, and you, you know what the, you know what the cost of that is, Maddie? Zero. <laughs> no, you know what you should do is go to the office, whoever, the admissions counselor, with an envelope with a five dollar <laughs> bill in it, and just say, "I'm just going to leave this right here." And I, see, like, <laughs> and I'm I'm just going to walk out. I'm just going to walk out. This guy thinks there's like five grand in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> five dollars there's a five spot in there you're you're like you're talking i'm just gonna leave this right here it's uh you know i I don't know where that envelope came from like really like uh, oh this must be you know or just like fumbling in my pockets and like an amazon 25 dollar gift card (laughs) like falls out on his desk and i'm like oh did i just drop (laughs) this gift card on your desk yeah (laughs) the just the the unbelievable, unnerving silence in the room. <laughs> I like going up to the Mater D in the five star restaurant and folded in the palm of my hand when I go to shake him as a crisp one dollar bill. I just, <laughs> I just go to shake his hand and you know I'm like, uh, let's see what we can do about moving us up on the list there, pal. Thanks a lot. <laughs> That's all for you, by the way. The better is the the tuck it into his his shirt pocket, <laughs> the, the the dollar the crumple up dollar bill. Yeah, <laughs> shoving it in there. So. Yeah, I, but that's you know it it's kind of funny, but it's like there's so many kids who like desperately want to go to any college. I mean, a community college. Well, it's you know? well, it's it's still this, um, you know, this belief in America that. If you get into these top universities, 
your life, you're set for life. You're literally, you know, you know, the, the red carpet has been rolled out in front of you. And there, the article mentions that a Stanford researcher wrote a paper, a fit over rank, uh, fit over rankings, why college and game engagement matters more than selectivity. And his basic premise was that it doesn't really, you know, matter if you go to, you know, a top university or, you know, a university that's ranked number 50. It's how you, you know, the work that you put into it, the engagement, the community, the community engagement, how you interact with professors, um, your curiosity, um, as opposed to just, you know, showing up at Harvard and, you know, you, you, you've made it and you, and you do nothing, you know, or you do the bare minimum to get the diploma. Well, you know, I'd like to think that that's true. And it says kids who studied the most learn the most, but none of this is about learning. I mean, none of these parents care what their kids learn or if they learn anything. This is all just one big networking thing. You know, like you're in the same fraternity, look at skull and bones and, and presidents and all of that. I think that's what parents get into their heads. And they're like, and, and, and there is, there is a network effect. You can't, um, you know, you can't, I mean, it's reality. It's, it's the same. It's the same. There's, there's nepotism in this world. There is a network effect. There is an alumni effect that does, that does help, uh, you know, someone who went to Harvard or Yale or USC, but you know, if you're, you can only go so far with that. Right? Yeah, I think, right. Yeah, yeah. I think there's Because even in yeah. like an institution like a Goldman Sachs, is you could, you know, that that degree might gain you entry, right? But then it's your performance at Goldman, right? So you have to, it, it comes down to numbers. If you're not producing millions or tens of millions of dollars for the firm, you're not going to rise up the ranks. You may not necessarily get fired. You might, but you know it's not. You know the the you know you're not going to walk into every meeting with your Harvard degree and slam it on the table. Well, after a while, it's like, right? Like, okay, you went to you know. The, I mean, you know, my dad went to a, a very very good law school, but he knew people who went to you know Suffolk is a, a local law school. I think it's only a night school, or it may be. That may have changed now, but it was like, that was much more working class. Like a lot of times somebody who was a cop would go to law school at night and become a lawyer. And he said some of those guys were just in the courtroom. They were superb. I mean, they were. Well, I, I mean, I know, I know um, people, colleagues that I work with who didn't even graduate from college, actually dropped out of college and employ people who went to Harvard, Yale, USC, Cornell. So it, it's not a, you know, it, 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 I can't say that it doesn't mean anything that would be, you know, that yeah, would yeah, be right. accurate, but it doesn't determine, you know, it's not like, oh, I went to Harvard and that's, that's it. You know, end of story. No. And I, I think these parents are doing their kids a real, first of all, a real disservice, you know, just by teaching them these types of things to, you know, bribe your way into stuff. And secondly, to think like that, you know, getting a degree from Yale or Harvard guarantees you success where it doesn't. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of other factors that go into being successful 
working hard. Like I knew there were people at Fordham who they flunked out freshman year because I mean obviously they were smart enough to get in there, but they didn't you know they never went to class. They didn't really have any discipline. They were just immature. Like and they you know. Well, I mean, I knew kids from at Fordham um, that went to you know the same high school I went to, Chaminade, which is a was a, a prep, very good high school on Long Island, and. They went to Fordham and like you said, they, you know, there was too much freedom. Yeah. They all, they all, they just went, they went to the bars. They were like literally caged animals that were let loose. They didn't know what to do with themselves and they failed out first semester or transferred to another college because there was just, there's too much free. There was no dis, they came from a very disciplined environment and then there was just you know, no one was telling them to go to classes. Right. <laughs> Ergo, they didn't go to classes. And I think everybody, every college freshman probably, or maybe not every, but many struggle with that. And then, you know, you get your head together and you're like, okay, I actually got to, you know, do stuff while I'm here. I mean, I wasn't the most stellar student either, but I got through. But yeah, I mean, I went to BC High, Boston College High School, and you know, I may not have gotten into Fordham if I didn't go there because it's a Jesuit high school and, you know, Fordham's a Jesuit college and all of that. But I still had to work. I mean, I still had. To- oh, you're, you're I mean, come on. Your father had to beg the admissions yeah, officer at Fordham to, to allow you to go there. <laughs> yeah. A lot of money changed hands over that one. <laughs> They, they were like, uh, Mr. Kerr, there's not enough money, <laughs> really. I mean, just, you know, come on now. But yeah, it's, you know, a lot of kids, I, I teach high school and, you know, I have 11th graders and some 12th graders. And a lot of them are like, you know, I'm going to go to the community college and do well and then transfer and get my degree from a four-year college and then go to graduate school. And you know, because a lot of them don't have the money. I mean, it's it's a struggle. Hey, and, that's that's not know. a bad playbook. I tell you, I knew a kid who did that who went to Nassau Community College, went there for two years, uh, four point oh grade grade point average, got into Yale, and yeah. now he's you know he's got a Yale degree. Well, and I think a lot of employers, not that I think, I mean, I heard them talking about this, were a lot more open to like people going to like a state school, you know, like a UMass Boston, someplace like that, because they're like, I simply cannot afford to go to, I can't, I can't pay $65,000 a year. Or even if I got a scholarship, I can't pay $40,000 a year. And, you know, this one guy said, I look at their transcript. I look at what they've done. I look at their internship record and like, okay, this person's smart. They got a good head on their shoulders couldn't afford to go to, you know, a better school, but they did very well where they were and like make the most out of where you are. And, you know, it's like if somebody gets, you know, goes to, I don't know, like a, like a Georgetown and kind of muddles through with a 2.3, it's like, all right, well, is this person really going to be a human dynamo if I hire them as opposed to someone who went to UMass Boston, who's got like a 3.8, you know, like, all right, this person really performed, you know, and, and works hard. And there you go. Well, you know, one of the things that the article said, which I think is a good point, which, which a lot of people or a lot of parents just kind of overlook, like there is this inherent push, like it's almost like a societal push where you're pushing kids hard on grades and tests. And what the article is saying is what, what you really want to push your kids on is what matters, like fostering meaningful relationships, cultivating interests and instilling discipline. 
which sounds so, you know, it, it makes so much sense, <laughs> but rarely practiced, right? Yeah, well, I think it's like if you instill discipline in people, you don't have to get on them about their tests and things like that. Like they'll understand, you know, how to, how to, they'll understand the importance of it. But, you know, having said that, every, you know, we're prepping for MCAS right now. And, and that's for a lot of kids is very high stakes. And then they have SATs next year. And, you know, it's just sort of like some schools have gotten rid of the SATs. They don't even pay attention to them anymore. Cause it's just like, what do we care about one test? Like, I want to see what this person has been doing for three and a half years. Like, I don't care if you got a 1200 on your SATs. If you've been a dud in class for three and a half years, why would we want you? Like, that is exactly the type of person who flunks out, you know, who does well on their SATs and they do nothing in class. That person is not going to be successful. Like, I don't care how smart you are at taking a freaking multiple choice test. Life is not a multiple <laughs> choice test. It doesn't work that way, you know. But but, but also, too, it, it's your, you know, life is... You know, it, it, it's so much more than a test or succeeding at school, right? You, you're dealing with, you know, and then it comes down to like what really matters in life, right? Is, you know, is it is it things? Is it the job? Is it the house? Is it the cause? Or is it meaningful relationships like building, um, you know, a sense of community and, and uh, a relationships with with loved ones and friends. And that's really what you want to, um, you, you want to excel at. You want to, that's what you want to, you know, I hate to use the word be good at, but it's not like, I mean, if, if someone put, uh, honestly, if someone put a, a, a junior level math test in front of me right now, dude, I, I, I'd probably get a 20 on it. No, I can't do any of that. No. I took the test to teach middle school math twice, and I failed it twice. <laughs> middle school math. And I used to teach middle school math in New York. <laughs> and I was a good math teacher because I was a terrible Listen, math student. I don't know if you want to be that transparent, Matt. You might, we might want to cut this part out. Hey, the English one I passed the first time. but so, No, but this is how absurd it gets. They think... In the state of Massachusetts and other places, now this may be changing, but for many decades, your teaching ability was judged on your ability, the idea that you were a good teacher, on taking a multiple choice test. A multiple choice test. <laughs> that you would be a good teacher. And it's like, there are people with PhDs in English literature who would be terrible teachers. Because... There is a, a huge difference between knowing your subject and being able to communicate that in any way, shape, or form. Like, I remember this one teacher, I was at a seminar, and she was really, I got the impression she was a very good teacher. And she said, you know, she had a master's degree in fine arts, and when she started teaching high school, she thought they were going to sit and have these wonderful discussions about literature. And she said, I quickly realized that was not the case, that kids really don't read Many of them don't want to read. They don't see their parents <laughs> reading. And reading has just kind of, you know, become this sort of thing of the past. So, 
you got to change up your game and you got to try to make it engaging. I mean, I deal with 16, 17-year-old kids who are not that engaged in Shakespeare. They're not that engaged in Arthur Miller. So it's like, I might know it very well, or I might be able to write a thesis paper on it, but that's not teaching. I might be able to pass a multiple choice test on Huckleberry Finn, but that doesn't mean I can teach it. So this, now it's, you know, you also have to get your master's degree at some point and all of that, but it just struck me as so ridiculous that it's like, this is just nothing to do with someone being a good teacher. Like, can you write an effective lesson plan? Do you have something meaningful for the kids to do that will engage them? That's very hard to do, and I fail at that all the time, because it's just hard to engage 25 kids in something they're not that interested in, but you got to try. So well I'm sh- well I'm sure your level of enthusiasm with this material is in the negative numbers. Right. <laughs> you're right. just you're just coming in there like a wet rag. Well you know fortunately I enjoy reading. I mean I this is something I like I do on my spare time and I and I like it. And you know hopefully that kind of bleeds through. But oftentimes and the, the other thing I have to remember is they're taking biology, they're taking math, they're taking a history course, they're taking coding. Are, you know, they take a lot of other classes, so it's not like, you know, teachers well, can does get... Does anyone... So you teach juniors, right? Yes. So has anyone, as a student, come to you and asked for a recommendation? Uh, as kids I taught last year, I wrote... I probably wrote five or six letters this year for recommendation. And do you, do you just sit down and just absolutely dump just... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was one student I, I struggled with. I like him very much personally. He's a nice kid. Uh, I had him last year. He didn't exactly light the world on fire. Uh, so, you know. Do, you, do, do, you, do you level with him? Be like, look, you really don't want me to write this recommendation. No. He was the only one I may have struggled <laughs> with that to say that. This is my first time doing it, so I wasn't going to turn anybody down. I did ask another teacher that. I said, what if you have a kid who does... She said, well, rarely would that happen. Like, they should have enough insight if they, like, barely... If they got a 60 in your class to, like, write your letter of recommendation. But she said, you know, you you might just say, well, it might be better if another teacher wrote it for you or something like that. But, uh, yeah, you know, you just, you know, you write them and, uh, and Godspeed. You know, I mean, they're only in high school. I mean, you know... They're not even adults, so hopefully they have time to mature and and all of that. But, you know, getting back to the testing thing and the college thing, like, no, it's not the end-all, be-all. It really isn't. And, again, this this, this idea, this testing idea, has just become this monster that pervades everything. Third graders are taking this test. Seventh graders take it. No, is it, I think it's third, fifth, eighth. I mean, this was in New York. They were doing this. They were giving this on all grade levels. I mean, it's just like good. Yeah, I, God. yeah. I think, yeah, I think my boys have taken these these standardized tests. I, I, I barely, I barely pay attention to what they're doing, so I don't even know. It's ludicrous. It's uh, these tests are absolutely ludicrous. I mean, schools should be held to accountability. I know, but there's just a better way of doing it. This is just sort of 
strikes everybody as CYA. You know, it's like, oh, we're, we're rigorously enforcing curriculum standards and blah blah blah. And it's like, but I, I think I think with teaching, you know, one of one of the hardest things to do, and I think the best things to do is to um, instill, uh, you know, uh, curiosity or foster curiosity in the children or the kids or the young adults, whatever it is, where they, you know, where they want to. Uh, learn and learn more and discover more things where they're excited about stuff and not just, you know, root memorization or just going through the motions. I make them uh, on quizzes write out verbatim paragraphs from the book that they have right. to memorize. And if they leave, if they leave out a the or an a <laughs> minus done. 15 points. Yeah. That really instills a love of reading in them. Uh, <laughs> No, it's true. Like, you know, when we were reading Death of a Salesman, I gave him this article about robots replacing workers. And like, they were really interested in that because they have jobs and they're going to be in the job market. And I was like, well, what do you think about that? You know, like, and we had very interesting discussions on that. Like, are you worth more than a robot? And some kids are like, well, if it saves the company money, like the bottom line is for them to make money. And other kids were like, yeah, but I'm a human being. Like, don't you want human? You know, so it was just, if you can sort of do that, if you can say like, okay, how does this, you know, sort of relate to you? Like Huckleberry Finn, it's hard. Um, other ones are a little bit easier, but yeah, it's not, it's not all, uh, like we try to teach them skills, you know, like how do you write a paper? Like, how do you read something critically? Because those things you are going to have to do like how do you, you go Matt, in? you you lost me at right, the critical uh, we have to teach them skills skills I just, <laughs> my, my attention just fell off a cliff but uh, let, let yeah. me just no just continue and then i want i want to read a funny uh, a funny uh, conversation go ahead no, i was just going to say one one department had said to me one time like do we really care if they remember who Holden Caulfield talked to and blah, blah, blah. No. Like, what do we want them to be able to do? Critically analyze a piece of writing. Because, again, it, you know, it teaches you how to think critically. And, and you're going to have to do that. Even if you're not aware that you're doing it. Even if you're in a job interview. Like, you're trying to critically evaluate what's going on around you. Like, what does this person want me to say? Like, what, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, so, so they had the, uh, you know, on, on just getting back to the article. <clears throat> so the Department of Justice, the FBI, they, they would make, uh, you know, they'd make people wear wires. So they have these recorded conversations. So here's one of the conversations. Uh, what, so one of the parents, William McGlashan, uh, was talking with one of these, uh, you know, one of the guys, they call him CW1. Uh, who was trying to get their son into the University of Southern California, USC, by faking a profile as a kicker in football. Here's the conversation. So CW1, so I'm going to make him a kicker. McGlashan laughed. He does have really strong legs. CW1 then said he needed to see pictures of the son playing different sports, ideally where his face was visible. CW1, it would be helpful because I will Photoshop him onto a kicker. McGlashan laughs. Okay, okay, let me look through what I have. Pretty funny. The way the world works these days is unbelievable. CW1, it's total crap. Like last year, I had a boy who did the water polo, and when the dad sent me the picture, he was way too high out of the water, that nobody would believe that anybody could get that high. 
McGlashan, yeah, CW1. So I told that dad, I said, what happened? He said, he said he was standing on the bottom. I said, no, 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 McGlashan, yeah, exactly. You got to be swimming, exactly. CW1, that's right. Just they're, they're chuckling at the, <laughs> at the fact that they're completely lying to the university, and the, I mean, the, I, the coach, maybe the coach in it is in on it. Maybe he's not. It's like a big joke. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the guy, the, who, who is McGlashan? Is he the father or is he the person? He's the running? father. So CW1 is cooperating witness number one. Oh, okay. They, just, okay. they, they don't reveal his name. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, gee, funny how the world works. Like, no, it, this isn't a hurricane or a tornado. Like, you're doing this. You're making this happen. It's not just the way the world works. It, it, listen, it's, it's, it's part of who I am and what I do. I'm constantly Photoshopping myself in with major <laughs> public figures. And wh- I, I, I'm whipping out my phone. I'm like, oh, here's me with Barack Obama. Uh, this is me with uh, Bill Gates. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, reg- we regularly have dinner. And uh, last month I was hanging out with Elon Musk. Here I am, and it's the the photos are so badly photoshopped. <laughs> it's you with a big grin and a and a thumbs up, kind of, kind of. It's me. It's me like in like uh, like a bathing suit, standing next to them in a, like a uh, uh, um like a full suit. You know what's funny is I was watching last night. Uh, the episode of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and he was with George Wallace. It was uh, they've known each other for a long, long time. George Wallace, I think, has a standing gig in Las Vegas. So they, you know, as usual, they kind of do a few things, and then they end up in a restaurant having coffee, having a meal. And this guy is trying to. He's sitting in another booth, and he's trying to take a picture of himself with Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> in the background. And Jerry Seinfeld sees him doing this and he's, he's moving. So he's like, did you get it? Did you get it? And the guy, you know, really, and it's just like, what do you hope to gain from that? Like, I don't really understand. Like, oh, he's going to show all his friends. I know, but it's not everyone. like you performed with Jerry Seinfeld or something. It's no, just, you were just in the same physical space. And that, that's an accomplishment. That's an accomplishment. And there was no physical contact whatsoever. No. There was no, nothing, not no. even a high. And then George Wallace, it was very funny. He's like, "Sir, I'm going to have to confiscate your phone and give me those glasses and give me your hat." And uh, it was it was funny, but it's like, yeah, people uh, they. I mean, if I saw Jerry Seinfeld, like you know, out, and I'm a big Seinfeld fan, but you know, I'd, I'd be like, "Oh wow, that's Jerry Seinfeld." Like, I wouldn't go up to him or anything. I would just because he's a. I uh, yeah, I don't, you know? I don't like if I see someone out in New York or L.A especially if they're eating, they're with their family. They definitely don't want me, you know, running, bumping into, oh, let me get a, let me get a self. No, <laughs> no. Now, if they're, um, you know, if they're performing, you know, and then they come off backstage and they're meeting and greeting with fans and it's, it's a, you know, it's a socially acceptable thing to go up. Sure. I might take a picture or if I'm with my boys and they want to meet, uh, you know, a soccer player or NBA player, as long as it's a socially acceptable way, I'm not going to, I'm not going to intrude on their life. It's just horrific. I pull a chair right up to the table and I'm like, Jerry, I've got this treatment right here. And I pull it out and I'm like, no, no, just hear me out. Hear me out. It's a great premise for a show. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I'm gonna uh, let me let me uh, let me pick up your coffee. I'm gonna buy your coffee. <laughs> like like he would like he would even care. And if All he right, even gives uh, me if he gives me any static, I'm like, oh, oh big celebrity, huh? Yeah, we can't even give me that. And basically, they have to drag me away from him. Um, so, but anyway, let's let's, to, let's uh, wrap this up with yeah. a PSA to all parents that have children going off to college. Uh, bribe whoever you have to bribe to pay their way into a life of fulfillment and happiness. Right. I like that. That that's that's a good a good PSA, a good statement to put on a T-shirt. I'm not so even just, a parent, and I I know that. You know? What I this is what I would do. I would take, I would withdraw all the money out of the five two nine accounts, bribe your way into bribe your kid into that school, and then not have enough money to pay the actual tuition bills. <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> of course, and and just try to ride that train as long as you can. Just constantly make up excuses when the when the universe ah, it's coming, it's coming. Well, you know, I it, it occurs to me just as a final thought. This is not for the kids. This is for the parents. Oh, absolutely. To tell absolutely. people that that my my, kids... my son and my daughter went yeah. to Yale or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Now I totally understand parents. We're very proud of their kids. Geez, my son got into Harvard. My son got into Yale. My daughter got into US, UCLA. Whatever. I mean, that that's very natural to be like, geez, I'm so proud of that. And there's a way you present that that is genuine. This is such bullshit that, like, wouldn't you feel embarrassed and kind of hollow inside to be bragging about something you know you paid for? But no, nope. these people wouldn't, actually. <laughs> so what am I Not even me. saying? <clears throat> Okay, everyone. So um, we hope you enjoyed, or I guess partially enjoyed, this episode of the working experience. Yeah. At some point in the near future, Matt might find the T-shirts in his house, <laughs> and we those might go on sale on the website, or we might, I don't know, we might rent a van and there's sell them out of, of the back of a van. There's, there's a lot, lot of gray lot of areas. Things, a lot, <laughs> a lot of, of things mites. going on. Yeah, they may it may happen. It may not too. You know, that's the and, and we'll and we'll eventually have our Patreon account live. You'll you might be able to get a T-shirt out of the deal, <laughs> maybe a mug. Yeah, how about a mug? Who doesn't want a mug? Come on. I, I think I think 2019 is our year. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I said that about 2011 through 2018, didn't quite happen, but I got a good feeling about this one. You just, you just, what I, what I always say is just reinvest the gains. I'm always reinvesting for the next day. It's always the next idea, the next day, the next week. That's right. That's right. The new idea. All right, everybody. And we'll be back with a new podcast very soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks everyone. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the working experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, 
reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.